Good morning, Boker Tov, a good night of Shabbos. Shkoyach, welcome back to me. And to uh, anyone else who's been away and who is back. I want to thank Morty and Ali Goldenberg for sponsoring this morning in memory of Martin Judovitz on his second Yeratite, the Alamed of Elul. So uh, big Yeshikach, thank you, Morty, for that and for all that you do. And as always, there are opportunities to sponsor Dare Shabbos Kolel, and even more than sponsoring, even more than money, but recruit. Baruch Hashem, our Kola Boker, 6.15 this morning, this room was packed. But let's get the Arab Shabbos Kola packed together again. Invite and recruit others. Also, anyone is looking for a Chavrusa, if you'd like someone to learn with, Baruch Hashem, the Kola of the Yeshiva South Florida, we can make them available. But anybody who's looking for a uh, Chavrusa, please let us, please let us know. So I want to take a look at the mitzvah this morning of Shiluach Ha... Kain or... Khan. How do you pronounce it? Shiluach Kain or Shiluach Khan? Kain. The parsha says that one should send away the mother bird and then you can take the uh, children. It'll be good for you. And it is one of the few brachas in which the matan where the uh, reward is given that of a long life. And we won't dive into now, which is the age-old question of people who've performed mitzvahs that promise longevity and don't have it. So is the longevity meant uh, quantitatively, qualitatively, is it to be measured in this world or the next world? What does that mean is not our purpose for today. How do you pronounce it? Shiloh HaKain, Shiloh HaKam. There are uh, arguments in both directions. I remember many years ago, Rabbi Rebbe quoted the Chassam Sofer. Apparently, the Chassam Sofer, in the introduction to the different Chalakim of Etshuvahs, has a poem to introduce them. I think that's where it appears, but the Chassam Sofer wrote some poems. And in one of the poems, he invokes Shiloh Ha, and based on the rhyme, you can figure out how he pronounced it. So there are different traditions of how to pronounce it. But we have other traditions relevant uh, related to this uh, mitzvah. One, the Yotzeplos HaTorah quotes the Medrash Devarim Rabbah. There is a mazik, there's some sort of threat or danger that we all face, which uh, shoots out like an arrow. And Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Tekai Mitzvah Shiloh HaKain Ani Matzilcha Mazik that Shiloh HaKain is not like any other mitzvah. All mitzvahs have a skula component. To be an Am Segula, I was just in Israel. I visited the Kotel several times. I had people accost me trying to get me to buy red strings and become an Amorite and, and, <laughs> and, and uh, violate the Darche HaAmori. I, of course, did not indulge in that idolatry. So what it means, the only time the word school is used in the Torah is that we're an Am Segula. What is an Am Segula? We have mitzvahs. We have 613 skulos. We don't need to introduce or invoke others. We have uh, things called mitzvahs. Those, those are our schools. Every mitzvah is a skula, but some mitzvahs, even our tradition, I don't just mean the people, money makers on the steps of the way down to the kaisal, but I mean even our tradition also includes it having a skula component, and Shiloh HaKain is one of them. It can save us from that mazik. The Yalkut Shimoni, which is a collection of Midrashim, a collection of Amari Chazal and Parshish Giseite, also tells us, Amar Kajborachu, and Tikai Mitzah Shiluch Hakein, Afilu Ata Akasha in Yachol Holid, Chayecha Shani Poketcha Bebanim, that a person struggling with fertility, one of the legitimate tradition schools that we have, is to try to fulfill the mitzvah that involves mother and children, and that is the mitzvah of Shiluch Hakein, Shiluch Hakein, Shinama Shalach Tishalach. In fact, one of the svarim that I'm going to reference this morning, it's a beautiful sefer, is authored, anyone who read the article biography on Reb Chaim Zatzal, so this is Rav Naftali Weinberger, who's the author of that article biography, and he tells the story in the article biography of Reb Chaim. He had asked questions, he had gotten close, 
and uh, he was married several years without children, and uh, Rav Chaim told him that there's a school to have children to author a sefer, write a book, write a sefer. You're trying to have children, fertility, secondary infertility. One should write a book, and writing a book doesn't have to be novel chidushim. Uh, you can collect opinions, you can organize your thoughts, you can write something that'll become part of the, the library of Torah. And he did, Dafka on the mitzvah that also is a skula. And in the back, there's a whole section of the tshuvas he got from Chaim. They're all one word or so. But the uh, correspondence and the communication with Reb Chaim who encouraged him to write this uh, sefer. And he was okay, he had children afterwards. You can read all about it in the article book on, on Reb Chaim. So there is some notion, some tradition that there is a school of component to this mitzvah. The schools of being protected from whatever this danger that the Medrash alludes to and a school to have children. And there are other schoolers involved in it, involved in it as well. Um, so let's go through some of the halachas of Shiloh HaKain, and then we'll get into the lumdus, the primary question that I want to address in our limited time this morning, so we can end, as always, by 9 p.m., by 9 p.m. sharp. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> we tell them where your mind is. Okay, Freudian slip. So uh, there are uh, significant uh, limitations or criteria to the mitzvah shiloh hakein that many don't know. They think if you find a nest anywhere of any type of bird at any time of day, on any day of the week, you can uh, do this mitzvah and you can tap into the schoolers of it and isn't it wonderful? But there's a lot of questions. First of all, what is the species of birds? Does shiloh hakein apply to every species or only limited species? And where is the nest found? Does it have to be in a public place or could it even be in a privately owned place? Do you make a bracha before you do this mitzvah? Can you do the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKain on Shabbos, for example? And most notably, and what we'll end with, because it will lead us into the lumdus, is, is this a mitzvah only when you want the eggs? So you crave eggs, but the mother, what can you do? Alas, the mother is sitting on them. So you have to send the mother bird away in order to be able to retrieve the eggs. So is it only when you want the eggs, then there's a mitzvah? Or even if you have no interest in the eggs? And in 99.9 cases of Shiloh HaKain, Alan Berger had a nest in front of his house a year or two ago, and many, including me, fulfilled the mitzvah there. And I didn't see anyone take any of the eggs home with them. Nobody wanted the eggs. People did it because they want to fulfill the mitzvah. But is there even a mitzvah when you don't want the eggs? And if you don't want the eggs and you're doing it, maybe not only is there not a mitzvah, maybe there's a shtikal avera, because tzar bali chaim. True, it's compassionate to send the mother bird away before you take her eggs, but if you don't even want the eggs, just to send the mother bird away to go through this exercise so that you can feel you got some skula, maybe there's not even a mitzvah involved. So as you see, there are many, many variables and components to this mitzvah uh, and to the question of where and when and how and who it is fulfilled. For example, do you fulfill the mitzvah if you send away the father? Now, you may not know this. I did not know this until I was looking into this. But the, uh, the birds, long before it was popular, were into equality, equality of outcome. And uh, what's the other word for equality? Equity. Equity. So the mother and the father alternate between sitting on the eggs. The problem is you only fulfill the mitzvah shiloh hakein when you send away the mother. mother. The Pesach says, you have to send away the mother. So, what? Maybe the father feels he's the mother, the mother feels that the father. Could be, could be. You'll have to be able to chirp. You'll have to be able to chirp and speak the language of the, of the birds. But you only fulfill the mitzvah with the, uh, with the mother. So in fact, as usual, Judaism is gender biased towards women, not men. That you only fulfill the mitzvah, we, pref- we, we show preference to the, the mother. You only fulfill the mitzvah when you send the mother bird away. Which is why... Uh, apparently, and everyone can look into this, it may depend on the species, but the North American birds, apparently, the mother takes the night shift. The mother takes the night shift. 
which is a good minhag, by the way. <laughs> Tom, ah, I had two nephews ah. visiting from Eretz Yisrael with young children. It's a good minhag. In fact, I once heard, you know, the Avort. It says, Rabbis Machshavas Belevish, Ve'atzas Hashem Hisakum. So we say this every day in davening. Rabbis Machshavas Belevish, a person has a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot of temptations, a lot of distractions. Ve'atzas Hashem Hisakum. But a person has to follow the Atzas Hashem. Which the Grah parenthetically says, Atzas Hashem Hisakum. Sakum is an acronym for Torah, Kriyashma, and Misa, because the Gemara says that when you're tempted by the Yetzahara, go learn Torah. Mashcheu Lebeis Medrash. Drag the Yetzahara to the Erev Shabbos Kolal. And if that didn't work, the Yetzahara is still kicking in, then say Shema. And if that didn't work, contemplate Yama Misa. Takum, Sakum is Tav Kuf Mem, and uh, Torah, Kriyashma, and, and Misa. That's the acronym Rabbis Mashavas, if you have a lot of thoughts. But the more accurate shot is Rabbis Mashavas Blavish. The baby's crying in the middle of the night. And the woman says to the guy, it's your turn, you get up, you go change the diaper, you give the bottle, you take care of it. Atzas Hashem? Hitakum. She should get up. Don't try it, don't quote me. Whatever you do, you could try it, but don't quote Uncle Ephraim. If you go, if you go home and you try it, don't quote Uncle Ephraim. Atzas Hashem Hitakum. So anyway, the North American bird, the mother takes the night shift. Apparently from sunset until sunrise is the mother's shift. And uh, so if you're fulfilling the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKain, better to do it. You can technically do it whether at night or during the day, but it's better to do it at night. You can be more certain that it is the mother that you're sending away and not the, uh, and not the father, which is the prerequisite for the mitzvah. Can you fulfill Shiloh HaKain on Shabbos? You're running, you're busy, you uh, have no time during the week, but Alan Berger says, come over on Shabbos, a long summer Shabbos afternoon, you'll do Shiloh HaKain then. Can you fulfill the mitzvah on Shabbos? So Chassam Sofer says, no, you have two problems. Number one, mukta. You have to interact with the mother bird to shoo it, and you have to lift. You don't actually have to touch the mother bird. You can chase it away, scream at it, use a broom, all incredible acts of compassion and kindness. But you can shoo away the mother bird and fulfill the mitzvah. You don't have to touch it, so the muksa doesn't apply there, but you do have to lift the eggs. Let's say the nest is at such a height that you can scare the mother to fly away, but you didn't lift the eggs. And we lift the eggs three tzvachim to avoid lovud, so that we actually have lifted the eggs. You can be considered to have taken the eggs, which is with the language of the of the pasuk. But if the nest is at such a height that you can't reach it, all you can do is get the mother to fly away, but you can't actually lift the eggs. You don't fulfill the mitzvah, and certainly you shouldn't do it. That is only an act of cruelty. So lifting those eggs on Shabbos is a problem of of muktzah, so you can't fulfill the chasam sefer says you shouldn't fulfill it on Shabbos. And moreover, we'll see momentarily a reason of the zohar. But when you send the mother bird away, you're ki'ilu invoking Kresh is far from us, that we're in the Golas, so we don't want to invoke that negativity on Shabbos. Chassam Sofer brings us a second reason. We don't invoke the, the, um, the anger of, of Shamayim on Shabbos. For those two reasons, he says, you cannot fulfill it on Shabbos. Which birds are included in the mitzvah? The mitzvah don't apply to every bird. The mitzvah only apply to kosher birds. Kosher birds are eligible for the mitzvah. How do you determine the kashras of a bird? There's a whole separate topic and separate shear. I don't know if we covered it in Surba. But how do you determine the kashras of a bird? When it comes to an animal, we know the Torah gives us two criteria. It has to chew its cud and have split hooves. When it comes to uh, fish, skins and uh, fins and scales. But when it comes to fowl, when it comes to birds, how do you know it's a kosher bird? The Torah gives us the list of which birds are kosher. We have a tradition. Uh, not kosher. We have a tradition of, of which birds are, are kosher. What happens when you have a bird that doesn't have a tradition? What's an example of such a bird? Turkey. A turkey. Turkey is a bird of the new world, sort of Yaakov Kamenetsky, and Yibad Lachayim Tov Ha'aruchim, Morvara Birav Shechter, and many others don't eat turkey, because turkey is a new world bird. I try to convince my wife I don't eat turkey for that reason. I just don't like turkey, but she makes it anyway, and 
That's when someone brings me turkey jerky, I find a way to eat it. So, <laughs> but, uh, but turkey is a new world bird. It doesn't have a misora. So how do those who eat turkey eat turkey? Why are there some empire turkeys with an OU? Because turkey looks like and is connected to other birds, which are kosher. So the whole kashras of, of which birds are kosher and which are not is a, is a separate question. So if a bird is certainly kosher, then you can certainly do a shulach haken on it. So a pigeon, a dove, a goose, a duck, those are all kosher birds, and you can do shiloh hakein on such birds. Let's say there's a bird which exhibits kosher signs, but we don't have the clear mesora, like the turkey. So again, sparrows, robins, cardinals, orioles, they're a whole category of birds that have kosher signs. They look like birds that we know are kosher, but we don't have a mesora for their kashras. So you can do shiloh hakein, but afterwards don't eat them. You can do shiloh hakein, you can fulfill that mitzvah, but you cannot eat them. And birds that we know are certainly not kosher, then you cannot fulfill the mitzvah on right, such those, birds. Why can't you eat those birds, but you can eat the turkey? Some say you can't eat the turkey. I'm saying those... those. But I'm saying, if you're saying you can eat the turkey, right. then why you can't eat those other birds? So those other birds, I think, have less in common than the turkey. The turkey... Th- there's a whole... I could send you an uh, interesting article. There's an article in the RJJ Journal about the turkeys and the kashras on turkeys. There's this fascinating question about, about turkeys. But Lamaisa, it has to be a kosher bird in order to fulfill the, uh, in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Um, do you make a bracha? There's a whole discussion he has in this uh, Sefer Shalach to Shalach, essays and essays on the question of, do you make a bracha? Why wouldn't you make a bracha? What's involved in making the bracha? Lamaisa, we do not make the bracha. What, the must, bracha. what would the bracha be? Some say you should make the bracha without Shema Machas. Um, what would the bracha be? We don't make a bracha. And the most, uh, the, the biggest reason given, it would be, so why don't we do it? Because you can make the bracha and then uh, the mother bird flies away on her own, something else happens, and uh, then you made a bracha levatal. It's the most common reason, but there's a big question about, about, making the, uh, about making the bracha. What about where the nest is found? Many don't know this too. The challenge is the, the nest has to be in a ownerless place. It has to be an ownerless nest, an ownerless bird, and ownerless eggs in order to fulfill the mitzvah. So if it's on your property, we have a principle that that a person's courtyard, a person's property acquires that which is in it even without their, even without their knowledge. So if it's in your property, it's acquired by you. It's not ownerless. If it's not ownerless, you cannot fulfill the mitzvah. So what do you do in what's called the chatzar hamishtamerath, which most of the case of the nest is found. He has in the safe. Oh, so could you fulfill the mitzvah at Allen Berger when it's in Allen Berger's front of his house? So there are many suggestions to this. Number one is before the eggs uh, are laid or before the mother ever left the eggs, you can be mafkir, the, uh, you could, you could, essentially object to your property acquiring it before it's owned before it exists you can resist or object and then it won't happen de facto automatically alternatively you can be mafkir if you're mafkir the nest and the eggs and the mother now they are ownerless even while they're on your property they're ownerless and the question is exactly how you do that some say you need to do it in front of three people declare it hefker declare it ownerless some say you could do it in front of one person declare it ownerless and it works and I sort of Scheinberg has in uh, the back of the safe for a tshuva if Scheinberg says even b'machshava you don't even have to declare hefker b'machshava out loud not in front of three not in front of one if in your own mind you decide this is on my property but I don't but I don't want it your neighbor's garbage flew onto your property but you don't want it. You, not everything on your property you're able to uh, object to, you know and then it doesn't own. It's based the Gemara, Gemara Dashan, it's based on the Pasuk, that it has to be something, yeah, that it can't be something that you own. So those are, uh, those are uh, several of the, of the mitzvah. But it begs the last question, and the last question I mentioned was, the last question was, uh, do you, ob- are you obligated 
only when you want the eggs, or is there a mitzvah even if you don't want the eggs? Is the mitzvah chiyuvis if you want the eggs? So the license to get them, the matir to get them, is shalach to shalach asaim. You've got to send the mother bird away. Or is it, no, you have no interest in the eggs whatsoever, but there's a mitzvah kiyumis. You fulfill a mitzvah when you send the mother bird away, even though you're going to put the eggs right back down. By the way, can many people do shidduch in the same nest? Usually when someone finds the opportunity, there's a long line of people. They tell their family and friends, because everyone wants to tap into the school. How do you do that? So the answer is, you send the mother bird away, you lift the eggs three tfachim, you put them down, you declare them ownerless again, the mother comes back, which her mother will do, although Rechaim Kanievsky in the Chuvas writes this, I don't know how he knew, that if you do it yeah. three times or more, the mother's going to stop coming back. Right. At some point she's done. So there's only a limit on how many people you can give the school to, so choose carefully, choose wisely, who you invite to come do Shiloh HaKain. But if you keep putting the eggs back and being mafkir them, then people can do it for as long as the mother will come back. More than one person can do it on the same nest. So is there an obligation only when you want the eggs? Or is they fulfillment of mitzvah kiyumis even when you don't? So the first who had this discussion was the Chavaz Yair of Yare Bachrach, in Germany several centuries ago. It brings the whole tshuva in the, in the Sefer as well. And he says that uh, there, is a, there is a mitzvah, even if you don't want the eggs. Even if you don't want the eggs, but you pass uh, a nest with eggs, there is a mitzvah. And he brings a raya from the Gemara. The Gemara in Chula and Davkuf Lamites says, Ki lomar. The Pasuk uses the language ki yikare. If you happen upon a nest, if you happen upon eggs with a mother. So the fish in Emma Shalach Teshalach Yachu Yachzer Baharim, it says Shalach Teshalach sounds like in the, in the uh, positive, you have to go send a mother bird away, you have to go search in the mountains and the valleys and the hills, go find a nest to fulfill the mitzvah. Talmud Lomar Ki Yikari B'Ma'ora. If it happens, if you happen upon it. So from here he proves that when you happen upon the nest, now you have the mitzvah even if you don't want the eggs. All agree, Kuli that you don't have to go out and search. You don't have to get up out of the base medrash and be mevatal Torah. You don't have to take time off from work. You don't have to, unless it's going to help you from diapering the baby, say, I need to go search high and low. I need to go search far and wide. I need to go fulfill the mitzvah. That's not the mitzvah, shalach teshalach. Shalach teshalach. So it's not like a mitzvah chayuvis. You got to put on tefillin every day. You got to... Uh, you got to hear the shofar. You've got to... It's not a mitzvah. Shalach teshalach. Go find a nest. Ki yikare means you happened upon it. When you happened upon it. So the Chavaz Yar proves. So, but when you happen upon it, lav davka, do you want the eggs? When you happen upon it, now there's a chiv that kicks in even if you're not going to keep the eggs. Even if you're not going to keep the eggs. And this is also the opinion of the Chacham Tzir, B'kiva Eger, Marab, B'ki Yosef, the Orcha Shilchan quoted. There's a whole uh, line of opinions who agree that when you come upon an egg, a nest, even if you don't want the eggs, there is a mitzvah nonetheless. Rechaim Kanievsky, who quotes from many, Chassam Sofer, from Rishonim, the Ramban, the Rashba, the Ritva, the Ran, Ben Bechaya, Chassam Sofer, the Avnei the Nitziv, all held not true. There's only a mitzvah, uh, a mitzvah kiyumis. There's no chiv. If you don't want the eggs, you don't have to do it. And in fact, there's a lot of people who bring down language, including Rav Asher Weiss and his truva. He doesn't go so far because he's smart and he avoids going to the extreme and saying this. But he essentially alludes to that if you don't want the eggs and need the eggs, don't even do it because you think there's some school component because now you're flirting with Tzar Balei Chaim. You're going to send the mother bird away and you're going to cause her anguish. Now you're going to... Uh, now you're... Um, bordering on Tzar Balei Chaim. So once you say there is no mitzvah chiyuvis, when you happen upon the, the nest, if you hold like this whole other group 
that it would just be a mitzvah you fulfilled, but you're not obligated in it unless you want the eggs, then Davka don't do it because you're causing unnecessary pain and anguish. Ravashi uses such a language, and others say it more explicitly, even discouraging and, and saying not to. That's not the minig. The minig of Gedol Yisrael today is to encourage people. We don't paskin like the Chavaz Yar. We essentially paskin today that uh, there is no obligation if you don't want the eggs. If you want to, uh, you can. If you're looking to tap into the skula, some will encourage it for the skula component. But if not, then don't feel obligated. So if you're in the base medrash, if you have a chabrusa that night, and Alan Berger calls you and says, you know, there's a nest in front of my house. We only got a few shots left before the mother bird stops coming back. Do you want to come over? Don't cancel your chabrusa to go do that mitzvah. Don't cancel your chavrusa, because we pass cannot like the chavis yair. So don't cancel your chavrusa, and don't uh, not deliver tom cheshabbos, and don't not spend time with your uh, spouse and children to fulfill the mitzvah. If you want to take them with you and uh, and show them the mitzvah. I think we understand this mitzvah in the modern way very differently than it was understood. That right. Today you want to eat eggs, you go to the grocery store. Correct. So there's almost eggs, never a circumstance. You, you have to go send the bird away to get eggs. It was right. not, there wasn't, there wasn't this, this idea of, there was no eggs, unless you did shluchadim. Right, so. And, all, and conversely, you wouldn't go wandering around chicken, looking chicken. for the mitzvah. Even if you have chickens, you have to send away the mother. You can't just right. take it. So if you the shluchadim, the shluchadim, right. it was, was an everyday... So my, my, uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law in Yerushalayim, I don't know why, but I had a whole group of chickens and ducks and they, they decided to spend too much money on eggs, they'll just have chickens. And every day the kids would have to go out and feed them, and they'd bring in the eggs, and they'd make eggs. The eggs were brought in their backyard. And then my sister-in-law decided she had enough of that, so now they had them shechted. They brought a shochet, and now they have a freezer full of chicken and ducks. And you think, you think it's impressive, Dr. Mermelstein, you give everyone your fish. They're handing out duck and uh, chicken and uh, that they shechted from their backyard. So there are still very, um, how shall we say, uh, eccentric people who still have... Right, but then it's muchan, then it's mezuman, then it's considered min mezuman, then it's considered chotzer mishdameres, unless you're mafkir, you're every time you're going to get it, and then you have all the kinds of questions. Same question. thing with if you create the situation as opposed to finding the nest. Oh, you're because saying where you buy you're it? You're having the chickens there. No, that's not. You created the situation, right? Then you go and collect. The Correct. Egg. If it's your chicken in your in your backyard that you bought that you set up, then that's not shiloh Okay. Correct. But let me just let me just end this because I want to get to the parsha part. According to the chavos would it be if it's on somebody's property? It's on Alan's property. One of my properties. It's on. It's on our shusayachid. Right. If you're mafker. Right, but um, but even according to the chavos yair, do I are, are you mechuyim? In other words, he's saying that 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 you have a mitzvah kiyumis, but maybe if maybe if it's on your own, it, it's not kiyikre because you, it's not your own, it's in your own rishus. Even in your own rishus, right? So even if it's on your rishus, you can't be mafker. That's still considered. You, you happen to pond it on your windowsill. Does the chavos yair require according to his sheet? Ah. Does he require you to be maf- Does he require you, you're saying, to set up a circumstance that you'd be obligated? Right. I mean, right now you're pater because the chatzar mishdameras. So the chavazir, right. So lechoran, yeah, lechoran now. So in, in this wonderful study from Mishcha Shem, and he quotes the Chassam Sofer, who wants to say the machlokas between the chavazir and Rechaim Kanievsky and others, is based on the following. Is based on what is the reason for the mitzvah. The Ramban, many, many Rishonim, in Shalech to Shalach the Sefer, he quotes five or six different his essays on five or six different reasons which are offered for the mitzvah. But the Ramban says, the Sefer HaChinuch says similarly, that the purpose of the mitzvah is to condition us to have compassion. When the Gemara says 
the Mishnah Baruch says, anyone who's Omer, somebody who says that the reason for the mitzvah of Shiluach HaKain is compassion, we silence them, it's because it's not compassion for the bird. Because first of all, the Gemara there uh, says, you're going, to, uh, you're going to incite jealousy among the creations of Hashem. Why just the bird? You could take the mother cow, you could take the calf without, with the mother cow, you could take the, uh, every other species, it's okay to have cruelty, it's just this mother bird. So the Ramban understands it to mean that don't say it's compassion to the mother bird, but rather it's a mitzvah for us to have an exercise to condition ourselves in compassion. Hashem wants us to be compassionate, and so He gave us a mitzvah to practice compassion because it's not about the recipient of the compassion, it's about our gaining practice in compassion so we condition ourselves toward compassion. That is the reason for the mitzvah. Rachmanos, the Zohar HaKadosh, brings this other reason, this mystical reason that I mentioned, which is exactly the opposite. The Ramban saying it's compassionate, send the mother bird away before you take the eggs. And the Zohar says it's exactly the opposite. When you shoo away a mother bird and you take her eggs, the mother bird is longing to return to the nest. The mother bird is desperate to be sitting again on top of her eggs. You send the mother bird away, you are creating a longing and a yearning and a deep desire to return to the eggs. Why are we doing that, says the Zohar? Because we're trying to get a Kodesh Baruch to realize we're far away from you for 2,000 years. We've been exiled away. We, your little uh, chickies, we're far away. And we want you to sit on top of us. We want you to feel connected to us. We want you to return to us. Zohar says it's Ma'orer Ahisorus for the Shechina to long to return, to young to return to B'nai Yisrael. So, Chassam Sofa, the Kol Aryeh both bring down. So according to the Ramban, the, um, there certainly is no mitzvah if you don't want the eggs, because that's the opposite of Rachmanus. The whole reason for the mitzvah is Rachmanus. You want the eggs, do it in the most compassionate way, which is to send the mother bird away and learn and exercise, practice compassion. But if you don't really want the eggs, then you're not practicing compassion. So according to the Ramban, there should be no mitzvah if you don't want the eggs. So the Ramban would be like the... The Ramban would be like the... Uh, would be like the Reb Chaim Kanievsky. The Chavaz would be like the Zohar. Chavaz is saying, even if you want the eggs... You send the mother bird away. Now we're invoking a Kaddish Baruch who also <laughs> wanting to return and yearn to us. The Shah of the Kash that's brought down the Chavaz Yair, the mitzvah of the Shiluch HaKain. First of all, the Bavli doesn't understand this way. And normally in a Machlok is Bavli and Zohar, we paskin like, like the Bavli. There are many cases. One year in Shavuos, our theme was Kabbalah. I gave a shir on Kabbalah in Halacha. And there are many, many, many examples where Kabbalah is quoted, where the Arizal and the Zohar are quoted in the Nosei Kelam and Shulchan Aruch, left and right. But every time that we paskin like Kabbalah, it's because the, the, the uh, Nigla doesn't disagree. But when there's a machlok, it's between Nigla and Nister, between the Bavli and the Zohar, we paskin like the Bavli. So that's a kasha on the Chavaz And the second question, which is very compelling, is the Mitzvah Shiloh HaKain applied even when, when there was a Beis HaMikdash. So if the whole idea is this notion of Golos and we're looking at Kadosh Baruch Hu, like the Zohar, but that it, it applied even in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, so then that wouldn't necessarily make sense either. So you see the Mitzvah Shiloh HaKain can be uh, complicated. There are many, many criteria. There's an interesting lumdas to it. I saw someone else brought down, tried to have a Chakira between Cheftza and Gavra. Is the Mitzvah for the Gavra to send away the mother bird, or is the Mitzvah in the Cheftza that the result should be a nest without a mother bird so the eggs can be taken? Enough gamina might be, can you do it through a shliach? Should you do it yourself? There's a lot of interesting lumdas and discussion. But let's just end for uh, three minutes, four minutes, quickly taking a look at this piece by the Slanim Rebbe. Another mitzvah in our passion, that is the mitzvah of maka. If you are building or if you are acquiring, not just building new, a home or a staircase or a balcony or a porch, 
that is a certain height, then you have to build a maka. You have to build a maka ten tefachim tall. Why is this mitzvah given to us encouched in the context of when you build a new home? And why does the Torah couch it or express it specifically having to do with your roof? Or if you're from the Midwest, your roof. It applies to a hole in the ground. If you've got a swimming pool, it applies to many of our backyards. There have been tragedies. Having a pool fence, the responsibility of having a pool fence. In fact, the Gemara extrapolates on this. Not only this pasuk, not only is there a mitzvah of makkah from a platform or a raised or there's a hole in the ground. The Gemara says you can't have a shaky ladder in your home. You can't have a pit bull. You can't have a dangerous dog. Not on a leash. The Gemara says anything that is misukan we derive from here. So given that the mitzvah applies to a swimming pool in the hole, in the ground, or to a roof, uh, then why does it say dafka gagecha? Should have said any dangerous thing, you have to take the precautions. And why does it say kesev nebayis chadash only when you build a new home? If you buy a 50-year-old house and it doesn't have the proper railing on the balcony, you have to install it. You have to install it. There's a bracha, Yadam the Rambam says, there's a bracha that you say, can you have a non-Jew? It's a big discussion. Do you fulfill the mitzvah when you have the non-Jew? The assumption, it's interesting, in the tshuvas that all ask that question, the assumption is, what Jew would know how to install his own railing? Of course, it's like, it's like a given that you have to hire the non-Jew to do it. And now, just can you, can you consider that to be your mitzvah? You know, see Modi's uh, routine about uh, Home Depot and Sukkot. So, why is it specifically a roof? It applies to anything else. And why is it by uh, its should apply to an old home as well? So, Islam Rebbe, like everybody else, quotes, he quotes the base of Rom, Yazav Rosh Adarka, Hanishlodai, Shiasa Chuva, Al Pradzao Acher, Al Yiznak Legamri, Sadar Shalach Bahadko, Vikar Atzma, Darachadasha. Part of Chuva, the idea of Chuva, is it's not looking at a particular action or behavior and trying to eliminate it, but it's invoking and it's trying to transform yourself to an entirely new lifestyle. You know, they say, they say that uh, every diet is destined to fail. Because the diet's going to end when you hit the desired weight, when you're done, when the, when the competition's over. If, if you make changes to your eating because you're on a diet, it's never going to work. You're going to balloon, you're going to gain it back. What do all the gurus say? It's not a diet, it's a change in lifestyle. You've got to change your lifestyle. If you diet and you cut out this particular food, it's not, it can't last. You have to have a change in lifestyle. It's a mentality, it's an attitude, it's an identity. You're changing your identity. I was the person who used to eat like this. I'm now the person who eats like this. I was a person who never exercised. I'm a person who exercises. I've uh, shared before, Tony Robbins says that uh, that's actually the way to change. Is He says, if you say, I'm going to start jogging, I'm going to start running, I'm going to go on my Peloton that I spent whatever amount of money for during COVID and is holding my clothing now. I'm going to. So you'll never do it because you keep saying I'm going to. But if you tell everybody, I'm a runner, I'm a runner. So now, it's pasnish for a runner to not run. It's pasnish for a jogger to not jog. It's pasnish for a person who, if you change your identity to be that thing, now your actions are going to match your identity because otherwise it's, it's pasnish. He doesn't say pasnish, Tony Robbins. He should, because yeah. it's the perfect expression for it. So, Yazov Rasha Darko, it's not enough to do tshuva on a particular prat. We don't change a certain thing. We have to transform. We have to change our lifestyle. We have to change our whole identity. <laughs> And that's So it's This time of Elo, we look in the mirror and we ask ourselves, how do I want to transform myself for the coming year? 
there's not radical transformations each year during Elul. It's, that's not reasonable or realistic, and it's not necessarily even healthy, and it's not good for your relationships. So you don't have a radical transformation every Elul, but which component of my life do I want to transform? Eating habits, exercise, starting to come to the Kolo Boker, the Erev Shabbos Kolo, <coughs> learning, my davening, his bodudus, emuna, bitachon, patience, whatever area of life, it's not the particular prat. It's not the particular detail. It's a whole change of identity and of status. I'm going to build a new home. I'm going to build a new life. I'm going to be, I'm creating his chadshus in my life. So how do you do that? You have to have a boundary. You have to have a fence. You have to have limits. And where do you put them? And says the son of Merebbe, Meram is lamidus ha'yira. That's yira. Amak is the notion of you have to have boundaries. You have to have limits. In our world that's limitless and boundaryless and shameless and do whatever you want, whenever, with whoever, wherever, however, we have a world that says, no, if you want to transform and you want to grow, you have to invoke limits. You have to have boundaries. And makelegagecha, why dafka gag? If it applies to a pool, why is it expressed dafka as a roof? Gag merami is a rosha adam. Told us Yankiv Yosef says, The first place you have to start is in your head. You have to, in your head, start. That's where you have to work on yourself. Do you know how many elite athletes can't break through because psychologically there's something holding them back? They need a sports psychologist. They need a coach. You got to get your head right. If you want to make a radical change in life, if you want to transform a component or area of life, where does it begin? Gagecha, in your Rosh. You got to get your head right. You got to get your head in the game. You got to be thinking and reflecting and meditating. You got to have that conversation, the narrative that we tell ourselves, the Ben Adam La'atzmo. person has to get into their own head, into their own God. So we are out of time. You can read the rest of the piece on your own, and I encourage you to. But that's the key Sivna Ba'is Chadash. The Yisod of Tshuva is, I'm building a new home. I'm starting again. I'm starting from fresh. I'm doing a reset. And how do I do that? I have to make a ma'ke. I have to introduce some gedarim, some boundaries, some limits in my life. And where do I need to introduce them? Gagecha. I have to get my head right. It's essentially the Tony Robbins. In other words, if all I'm focused on is, don't bring in the Cape Cod potato chips. Don't bring them in the house. I'm going to cut out this eating thing. And intermittent fasting, I'm going to do that. And you just have all these plans. But you haven't made a ma'ke le gagecha. It starts in your head as saying, I'm changing my lifestyle. I'm not just dieting. I'm not just doing these pratim, these details. But ma'ka In my head, I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm a member of, we're going to start printing in the weekly, all the people who are members of the Kola Boker. Maybe we'll, we'll have a column for the Arab Shabbos Kola too. So like, I'm a member, now it's pastnish, if I'm a member of the Kola Boker, to never show up at the Kola Boker. So what's the way to start showing up at the Kola Boker? You could set four alarm clocks. You could get your wife to agree she's going to push you out of the bed. But the best way to do it is to say, I'm a member of the Kola Boker. My name is listed. I'm going to get the swag they're giving out at the Kola Boker. And then I'm not going to have a magnet on my car that says I'm a member of the Kola Boker and I don't go to the Kola Boker. That doesn't make sense. The mak has to be like gagecha. It's got to be in our own head, how we see ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves and, and who we think we are. And when we change that identity, then the action, the behavior will follow that mak legagecha. We'll talk to have a bias chadash. We should be zocha to a bias chadash to be able to build anew, have a fresh start. It's a successful and shuvan all that we do. A good in Shabbos.